0: So this weekend, we're uh, first weekend of the month, and it's one of my favorite weekends of the month because it's a time that we observe baptism and communion, and we get to see from a visual expression of, of people trusting God in their faith. You saw the five baptisms this morning in your service. Uh, over the course of the weekend, we'll baptize over 18 people. So it's another big weekend here of we a number of people that are following him and trusting him. And so... This weekend what I want to do is, is just a standalone sermon and it's called Paying Attention to Your Spiritual Life. Uh, when I was away in Texas and I was preparing for, for this weekend and this message, I saw something a little differently in Scripture when Jesus observed the Seder, what we call the Lord's Supper now, but when he observed the last Seder that he would have with his disciples, and I realized in the midst of that, after they had this spiritual encounter, I mean, it was a deep service, and it was a spiritual service, and in the midst of that, right after that service, Jesus warned the disciples about a priority you should have is you need to pay attention to your spiritual life. And it was of extreme importance to him to encourage his disciples so that they understood that their spiritual life needs to be a priority in their life. The account is found in Matthew chapter 14. It's actually from 22 all the way to verse 72. And we're not going to look at all the verses this morning. But we are going to understand this principle before we take communion together as a church family. Because Apostle Paul tells us in Corinthians this, that before you take of the bread and before you take of the juice, that you need to examine your life. You need to examine your spiritual life and just make sure where you are with him. And then anything that he tells you to do, you should be willing to adjust your life towards him. So Mark chapter 14, uh, verse 22, is we're going to pick up the story. Do you have your Bibles, your electronic devices? You could turn there. You can follow along with me. The words are going to come up on the screen. Here's what the scripture says, starting in verse 22. And as they were eating, that was a Seder meal, Jesus took bread and after blessing it, broke it and gave it to them. And so he said to them, Take, this is my body. And he, and he took a cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, and they all drank it. And he said to, him, uh, said to them, This is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many. Truly I say to you, I will not drink again of the fruit of the vine until the day when I drink it new in the kingdom of God. And when they had sung a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. And so Jesus said to them, so here he goes, you'll all fall away. After a spiritual service, when God's presence was so strong and so known, he looks at them and says, you'll all fall away. See, I didn't know how rough and how tempting the next days would be. He said, you will all fall away for it is written, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep will be scattered. But after I'm raised up, I will go before you to Galilee. So Simon Peter said to him, Lord, so, so spiritual pride, even if all these guys fall away, I will not. Verse 30, And Jesus said to him, Truly I say to you, this very night, before the ro- rooster crows twice, Simon, you're going to deny me three times. But Simon Peter emphatically said, Lord, if I must die with you, I will not deny you. And then all the other disciples agreed. All the other disciples, maybe it was peer pressure, but all the other disciples here, that goes for us too. No matter what happens to you, we will not drift. No matter what happens to us, we will not deny you. And so Jesus told them in the difficult days of their life that they're going to have this temptation to drift away from him. See, Jesus is telling them that you better pay special attention to your spiritual life. Your spiritual life better have a priority in your life. And he would not, Jesus would not drift from them, but they would drift from him. And that's so important for us to understand because he wasn't saying, I'm going to drift from you. Because what he said was, I'm not drifting from you. I'll be waiting for you in Galilee. But you will have a temptation to drift from me. And we know from Scripture that one would deny him and one would betray him. But all of them would drift from him. See, a superficial relationship with Christ is this. What is in it for me? I mean, what is in it for me? How is he going to bless me? It's following the bless the blessings more than the blesser. And so a superficial relationship with Christ is only needs-based. It's only this issue of what's in it for me. But a mature relationship with Christ is this. God, what do you want me to do with my life? What do you want me to do with my resources? What do you want me to do with my time? What do you want me to do with my talent? God, how can I serve you? How can I glorify you? How can I bring glory to you in my profession, in my career? How can I steward the influence that you've given me in a family, um, in a neighborhood, in a, in a school? See, a mature follower of Christ understands that, that it's, it's, God, what do you want me to do with my life? Hebrews chapter 2, verse 12, the writer of Hebrews put it this way. He says, therefore, remember I've taught you that anytime you see the word therefore in Scripture, you've got to stop. I mean, it is like a stop sign in Scripture to where you've got to see what it is there for. Because the writer is calling attention to that verse. He goes, therefore, we must pay closer attention to what we've heard, the gospel, his word. We must pay closer attention to what we've heard, lest. We drift away. I just want to give you a few things about this issue of drifting before we take communion together as a church family. And maybe each one of us would just examine our lives and see if we are drifting in a particular area or not. So the first thing that we got to understand is we got to realize we're drifting in a particular area. Jesus said that you better pay special attention to your spiritual life. And so the first thing we must do is, is look at our life, examine our life, just to make sure we're not drifting. See, the easiest thing for you and I to do is to drift from God. Because it requires no effort. I mean, what do you have to do to drift? Just sit on a rubber raft and do nothing. And the currents will always take you away from land or away from your destination. See, the easiest thing for us to do, especially in difficult times, especially in times of questioning, is just to begin to drift. And really and truly, no one immediately falls away from him. But it is a slow drift. And it is a slow drift, one step at a time. So after the Lord's Supper, Jesus tells them, that you better be careful you better pay special attention to your spiritual life and you begin to see in Simon Peter's life that just has so much application into our life and you begin to see that he starts the drift one step at a time fact is he took four steps away from Christ and many times it's the four steps that we take are the four indicators that are in our life as well and the first indicator the first step in Simon Peter's life was an Was an issue of pride. Look at this in Scripture in verse 29. Here's what the Scripture says. And so Simon Peter said to him, Even though, I mean, we know this is religious pride, right? Even though all of these other guys fall away from you, I will not. See, this is where we just rely on ourselves. In other words, this is where people say, You know what? I'm mature. And I'm better than all of these other people, and I'm more spiritual than all of these other people. All these other people, you know what? They may fall away. You know what? They may drift from you. They may forget spiritual dif- uh, disciplines and priorities and all of that other stuff. But you know what? I'm, I'm like above that. I was a self-made man. I'm a self-made woman. And so all I have to do is just rely on myself. See, this is saying that I can make this happen in my own strength. In other words, God, these other people, they need you to guide them. I mean, all these other people, they're not as mature as me, so guess what? They need to read your Word, like, every day. All these other people, they need to be in a community of believers. They need to be in a life group with other people. They need to serve in ministry. They need to be in church. They need to be... See, I don't need that, because I... I just rely on myself, and I just depend on myself. That's why the writer of 1 Corinthians, who was Paul, said this. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 12. He says, Therefore, let anyone who thinks he stands take heed, lest he falls. I tell you, the first step in drifting, the first step to drift away from him is this issue of pride. That I just don't need him like everybody. I just don't need him to guide me. The second step is this, and you see it in Simon Peter's life. It's exhaustion. This is where we, we just get tired and we just get exhausted. And as a result of that, we start slacking off the, the good habits that we once did, the spiritual disciplines that we once had. I mean, this, this can happen in marriage. This can happen in parenting. This can happen in, in, in a career or a profession. And this can happen with God as well. See, this is where we back off of good habits because we say we're just exhausted or we're tired where we quit reading scripture every day because we're just too tired or we're just too busy or we no longer pray like we once did because if we pray we fall asleep or if we pray all of a sudden we get distracted and we end up doing a to-do list or we end up in Walmart or whatever this is where we get so exhausted we, we no longer do the things that we once did and Jesus is asking his disciples. As they make it from the Mount of Olives, or they go to the Mount of Olives, and he's asking his disciples, he said, would you just pray with me? Would you just watch with me? Watch this, verse 37 as we pick up the story. And so Jesus came and found them sleeping. I mean, this is the most agonizing time of Jesus' life, and he asked them just to pray. And so he said to Simon Peter, Simon, are you asleep? Remember the guy that said, if I have to die with you, I'll die with you? All these other guys will drift, I will not drift. Could you, not, could you just not watch one hour? Watch and pray. So important. Watch and pray. So you do not enter into temptation. You know another dangerous thing about exhaustion? Temptation is harder to fight when you're tired. When you're exhausted, when you're tired, you can be discouraged and don't even know why, right? Right? That's why Jesus said you need to watch and pray that you don't enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but what? The flesh is weak. And again, Jesus went away and he prayed saying the same words. And again, he came and found them sleeping for their eyes were heavy and they... And they did not know what to answer him. And so many times in life we get so busy and we get so tired that we no longer have time or the energy for the spiritual disciplines that we once had it's, it's amazing to me sometimes that when people get exhausted, when people get busy the first thing that goes in their schedule is church I'm telling you, it just takes a Sunday it just takes a weekend And it gets easier the next weekend, and the next weekend, and the next weekend. That's why you'll talk to some people and say, well, we used to go to church, and we we don't even really know why we don't go anymore. Listen, I'm telling you, falling away drifting isn't all at once. That's what's so dangerous about this. That's why Jesus says you better pay attention to your spiritual life. You better pay attention to the indicators. You better pay attention because it is just one simple step after another. Listen, let me tell you something. Exhaustion is a huge warning light in my life. And exhaustion should be a huge warning light in your life. Because when you're tired, when you're exhausted, it is easy to drift. Why? Because tri- drifting takes no effort. You don't have to do anything to drift. Exhaustion lowers our defenses. It lowers our defense to, to temptation. And temptation becomes hard to ignore. That's why Jesus told them, just watch and pray so you don't enter into temptation. Here's a third indicator of, of, of Simon Peter's life and our life as well that we need to examine. It's the issue of Fear of people. See, it's just one simple step after another to where you begin to drift so far away from him. All of a sudden, you're worried of what people will say about you, what people think about you, uh, what your reputation and some of those other things. When you look at Simon Peter's life, you realize that, that Simon Peter, at one time in his life, he wasn't a spectator. At one time in his life, he was a partner in ministry with Jesus. And everywhere Jesus was, that's where Simon Peter was. And Simon Peter was the guy that says, I will never deny you, even though everybody else denies you. I won't. If I have to die for you, I will die with you. And then all of a sudden, Jesus is, is arrested. He's taken into trial. And then all of a sudden, you see a phrase that is so frightening in Scripture of Simon Peter. The one that had once followed him so close to the Scripture says, and Simon Peter followed him at A distance. See, he still wanted to know what was going on. See, he moved from a, a partner in ministry to a spectator. What's in it for me, not what I can do for you. And all of a sudden you see in Scripture that Simon Peter is following him at a distance. He still wants to know what's going on. He still wants to know what's happening. He still wants to be close enough to Jesus to kind of see what's happening, what's going on in his ministry. But he doesn't want to be so close to him that he's associated with him. Why? Because of the fear of people. He's worried what the world will say about him. He's worried what other people will say about him. Let me ask you a question just real quickly. Are you following him at a distance? Are you following him at a distance, just far enough away from him to where no one will notice? See, a Jesus follower is one who follows Jesus with other Jesus followers, it's one who follows Jesus in community with other Jesus followers. And so the question is, are you following him at a distance? Another indicator of this issue of fear of people when you're just kind of ashamed of the name of Jesus where nobody re- around you really knows for sure if you're a believer. Those that you go to school with, those that you work with, um, those that maybe are in your family, some close relationships or yours. And it can even be strangers that you're just worried that if they knew you were a Jesus follower, how would they respond? What would they say? To where nobody really knows for sure. There's a joke, and it's an old joke, but it's just a favorite joke of mine about this guy that was, uh, had lost his job. There's a downturn in the economy. He loses his job. And so he couldn't find a job in his career, his profession. So he started going through the won ads. Well, he, he finds a, a job opening at the local zoo. And so it was for someone that would just come in and like clean cages. And so he says, You know what? That's really not my career, my profession, but I got to feed my family. I just need a job. I'm going to go down there and apply. Put a suit on and and got his resume together. He goes down there and he got down there and he met with the zookeeper. And the zookeeper says, "You know what, sir? We're so sorry. We we filled that position." And he goes, "Ah," he says, "You know, I just need a job so bad." He says, "You know, I'm willing to do anything. Clean cages. I'm willing to do anything." And he says, "Well, anything is anything." He said, "Well," he just kind of looked at him. and says, "You know what? Your build, you may be perfect for this. We do have a job for you. It pays about." $10 Ten dollars an hour and, and forty hours a week and would you be interested? And he said. He said, "Well, what is it?" He said, well, I, "I can't tell you the job until you sign a confidentiality agreement." And he goes, "Well, you know what? I need a job so bad. I don't really care. I'll, I'll sign whatever. I won't tell. I'll, I'll sign whatever you want me to sign. I, I just need a job." He goes, "Great." He signed the agreement. He says, "Follow me." They go back to the back room and in the back room, the zookeeper pulls out a gorilla costume. And he says, he says "Here's what happened. Our gorilla died this morning." And with the economy and where we are financially, we can't afford to buy a new gorilla. And the gorilla, I mean, people come just to see the gorilla. So here's what we need you to do. You're, you're the perfect size. It'll fit. We need you to put on this costume. We need you to get into the cage. And we need, to act like, we need you to act like a gorilla eight hours a day. And he says, you know what, I can do that. So he puts on the costume, he gets in the cage. By day three, this guy was an expert at it. I mean, he was type A, he was good. And to where people were coming now, there were crowds forming around him, and he could get up on the swing, and he could swing, and he could do tricks, and the video cameras are going, the kids are going nuts, you know. People are inviting that whole deal. And so on this particular Sunday, there was a big crowd that had gathered around the gorilla cage and, and to watch him. And he's swinging on this swing, and he's going higher and higher, and like they're cheering him on. Well, he swung to like really high and his hands slipped off of the bar and he, he flew. I mean, he left, he flew, he went over the fence and he landed in the lion's cage. Yeah. So now he's laying in a lion's cage and he doesn't know what to do. So he's just laying there and he's like he's like frozen. He says, "What I do, what I do, what I do." And all of a sudden he could feel the you know he feel the vibration and he hear the paws of a lion. This is boom, 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 boom. And it's coming closer and closer. And all of a sudden he felt the breath of the lion on the back of his neck, and it was more than he could take. He didn't care about his job any longer. It was survival, and so he just starts screaming in panic. And all of a sudden the lion says, "Shut up before you get us both." fired. <laughs> so nobody knew for sure in this zoo, right? And guess what? There are a lot of believers that nobody knows for sure whether they're a believer or not. Why? Because of the fear of people. The fear of if I tell people I'm a follower of Christ. They may call me some names. They may talk about me. They may criticize me. Listen, I'm telling you, the fear of people is a huge warning light in your life that you are adrift. When you become ashamed of His name. See, our world is good where we are politically. You can talk about God all day long. They are good with that. They are happy about that. They will encourage you to talk about God. But the moment you mention the name of Jesus is when the criticism comes telling you the fear of people. You know why the fear of people is so dangerous? It will keep God from doing what He wants to do in your life. Because what people say about you come, becomes more important than what He says about you. That's why Jesus is telling His disciples you better pay attention to his spiritual life because you have a tendency to drift because drift takes drifting takes no effort the last indicator is this it's just the indicator of of compromise we, we watch simon peter and he like goes to the trial and and he in simon peter because he was a disciple he could have gotten really close he was in the inner i mean he was in the inner three he was in but as a result of that he he stayed back and He's in the courtyard, he looks around and he sees this fire and at the fire some Roman guards, oh, not just any Roman guards, the Roman guards that had arrested Jesus. And they had built this fire and they're warming themselves and he decides to go stand with them. Look at this, verse 54, and so Simon Peter had followed him at a distance right into the courtyard of the high priest. And he was sitting with the, he was sitting with the guards, and he was warming himself. I mean, what is wrong with this picture? The guy that said, "If I have to die with you, I'll die with you," even though they all deny you, I'm not going to deny you. And now he's he's warming himself around the world's campfire, telling you. Whenever you warm yourself around the the world's campfire, you will always get burned. See, Simon Peter just wanted to fit in. He just wanted to fit in with the world. He just wanted to fit in with the crowd because of fear of people and everything else that was working in his life. And there's something wrong with this picture. That someone can drift all the way to the place so they're more comfortable with the world than they are the church or him. So many people say, well, I just want to fit in. Tell you, that's the most dangerous place to be, especially for you students. And I ask you, Who, whose campfire are you sitting around? Because as a pastor, I've watched way too many people just Drift it's really not immediate it's one step at a time quit reading scripture quit praying quit giving, quit serving stop going to church and before you know it they get into a place and they start asking these questions how did I even get here And it was just one step at a time. And God would say to you that if you're adrift, come back. See, he assured the disciples the same way that he assures us. He told the disciples that even though you drift from me, you're mine. I'm not drifting from you. I'll be there in Galilee. Second thing is this, is that that we want to realize, we want to understand that God wants us to return to him. That's the whole statement behind his statement to the disciples. He was telling them that, guys, when you drift, I want you to understand that I love you. I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. And see, John chapter 21 is when Jesus reinstates the disciples. He's when Jesus reinstates Simon Peter, the one that had denied him, the one that had walked away from him. And before I take communion, or as I take communion, there are some things that just communion reminds me. Communion always reminds me of God's unconditional love for me. That when I'm in Christ, when I am His, that I will never get kicked out of the family. They don't have to worry if one day I'm in the family and one day I'm not in the family. Communion always reminds me of His unconditional love for me. That it was His love for me and His love for you that sent Him to the cross to pay for the punishment of our sins. I can never take communion without focusing on just the unconditional love that He has for us. The other thing that communion reminds me of is this. Is that my sin has already been paid for. That our sin, the punishment of our sin, that our sin has already been paid for. In the U.S. we have all kinds of laws to prevent someone from being punished for the same crime twice, right? And 2,000 years ago, Jesus went to the cross on our behalf for the punishment of my sin and the punishment of your sin. And he paid for our sin. Guess what? So we don't have to. I don't have to be punished. Jesus took on the punishment. He who knew no sin became sin for us so that we don't have to. There are so many people that have this theology that that I have to work my way to heaven or I have to be a good enough person to get... Listen, none of us will be good enough. There's so many people who say, I know he died on the cross, but I got to do... Listen, let me tell you something. Can you imagine God looking down on the cross with Jesus with his arms wide open, with blood pouring down? Take it on our sin, the punishment for our sin, the perfect lamb. And God looking down on him and says, nope, not good enough. They have to pay some too. That's why Jesus said on the cross to tell us die. It is finished. It is done. That you are totally and completely forgiven. He has satisfied all the demands of justice by dying on the cross and paying for our sins. And there's some people when they hear this talk, they begin to push back. Whoa, whoa, wait a minute. That's like a license to sin, Charlie. I mean, if you're telling me that God has unconditional love for me, if you're telling me that my sins have been paid for, then I accept Him. I enter into a relationship with Him. He'll never leave me. He'll never. So guess what? From that moment on, I can do anything I want. A person that says that does not understand Christian grace. It does not understand the power of God in their life. Because when you understand Christian grace and you understand what He's done for you on the cross, you cannot help but live for Him. I'm telling you, when you understand what He has done for you, And when you accept him, when you receive him, the scripture teaches that the Holy Spirit comes into your life and you are sealed with the Holy Spirit. And now the Holy Spirit begins to give you the desires to live for him, to not live like you once did, and to live a new life and to live a different life. And to understand what he has done for you. And it is it is his love in his power is why Colossians 2 14 says by counseling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal documents this he set aside nailing it to the cross your sins have been nailed to the cross and as he hung there on the cross his body was so badly beaten it was what the scripture says it was like beyond recognition he was crucified, nails in his feet, nails in his hands, thorns tearing into his, his flesh, and a sword through his side. And every time I eat of the bread, I remember his body that was so abused for us. It was proof of his love that we should never forget. And so the scriptures would teach you that if you are adrift, that if you have adrifted in any area, Run quickly back to Him. Listen, the Scriptures do say that you drift, and you drift away from Him slowly. But you know what the Scriptures also say? The Scripture says that you don't return to Him slowly. The scriptures say that you return to him quickly. You return to him with one step. Hebrews 3.15 says, and it is said, Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion. In my Bible, I have circled that word today. That is not tomorrow. That is not next Sunday. That is not next week, next month. That is not when it's a, pro, when it's, when it's a, a good opportunity for you. That is today. That is now. See, the scripture teaches that you may walk away from him and you may drift slowly, but you return to him quickly. fact is, you see this in Simon Peter's life. Jesus had told them, you're going to drift, but I'll be there for you in Galilee. And John is the one, while they're out fishing, that recognizes it is the Lord. It is Jesus. And you see in Simon Peter's life that he ran quickly back to him. John chapter 21, verse 7. That disciple whom Jesus loved therefore said to Peter, it is the Lord. When Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on his outer garment for he was stripped for work, and he threw himself into the sea. And as immediate, he realized I'd drifted, and I ended up in a place that I'd said I'd never be. And he ran quickly, or he swam quickly. And there are some people that say, you know what? I, I've messed up so bad. I've gone so far. He'd never want me back. It just seems so complex. I'm here to tell you, based on his word, no matter how far or how long or how messed up, it only takes one step and he wants you back in a relationship with him when Simon Peter realized God used him in dramatic ways Simon Peter wrote two books of the New Testament and you find in his life that his life was never the same And from that moment on, he paid attention to his spiritual life like never before. And in just a few minutes, we're going to take communion together as a church family. And I really wish this was for everybody, but it's not. The fact is, communion, the Lord's Supper, is only reserved for believers. People that have placed their faith and their trust in Jesus Christ. In some respects communion is like the wedding it's like a wedding anniversary to where you remember the day when you met him and what he freed you from and what he forgave you of when you started your life with him and so you don't have to be a member here at fellowship of the rockies to take of the bread and take of the juice cuz that's never talked about in scripture but what is talked about in scripture very strongly, that this is only reserved for those who are Christ followers, who know him, who follow him. And there may be some of you here this morning that you don't know. Him. Well, you know what? This morning, I just want to give you an opportunity just to accept him. If you'd like to do that before we take communion together as a church family, what an awesome deal to thank That you could accept him, ask him to come into your life, and then to take of the bread and take of the juice for the first time as a believer. So would you bow your heads with me and close your eyes? And here's what I'm going to do. I'm just going to guide you in a, a simple prayer. For those of you that have never accepted him, have never prayed to receive him, that may not know, we want you to mark this in your life. And so... As a church family, we are all going to repeat this prayer together, whether we've never prayed this prayer before or whether we've prayed this prayer before. And, and we're just praying this prayer aloud in just a few minutes to encourage those others. And many times by us repeating this prayer again, it may remi- if you're like me, it may remind you of the day years ago when you prayed this prayer and you asked him to come into your life to forgive you of your sins. So I'm going to ask all of us to repeat this prayer together. Some of you will be asking Jesus into your life for the very first time. Others of you, it'll be a remembrance of the day when you did. So repeat after me aloud. Dear Lord Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner. And my sin separates me from you. I ask you to come into my life forgive me of my sins and I commit to you to closely follow you to the very best of my ability help me to follow you thank you for salvation thank you for eternal life Thank you for taking the punishment of my sins so I don't have to. And may I live life in freedom. In Jesus' name, amen.